Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back or welcome to Wednesday Wisdom with Jimmy Warden. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden. This week, uh, it's a solo podcast, and on the podcast, I'll be talking about anxiety just because it seems to be a trending topic uh, in today's society, today's day and age. And I've just done some additional research uh, and reading on the topic. So I felt like I was able to obtain some information that I felt like was worth sharing, not just about anxiety, but what it is and how we can actually try to cope with it. So if you're looking for any types of strategies on how to cope with your anxiety or just get a better understanding of what it actually is, look no further than this podcast. Uh, But first, a quick word from our sponsors. After reading books and doing additional research on the topic of anxiety, I'd like to say that it seems to be a trending topic in today's world. There has been research done by the Anxiety and Depression Association of America that shows 40 million people over the age of 18 are affected by anxiety in some form, including, but not limited to, general anxiety disorder, panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, specific phobias, obsessive compulsive disorder, major depressive disorder, persistent depressive disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Additional data from the ADAA indicates that 25.1% of children from ages 13 to 18 are also affected by anxiety. Not to mention there are also a few examples of life's traditional anxieties, such as job interviews, moving to a new city or state, or first dates, just to name a few. This is why anxiety can seem like such an overwhelming concept. It's hard to get a thumb on anxiety when there is so much uncertainty around what it is, let alone how we can cope with it. However, Once we have an understanding of what it is, we can recognize it and use helpful coping mechanisms to bring us back to the equanimity we yearn for. According to Faith Harper, the word anxiety can be traced back to the Latin root anxious, which means to choke. That is also a physical symptom a person could experience when experiencing anxiety. Believe it or not, anxiety actually manifests to protect us from what our mind and body detect as danger. Oftentimes, this is why individuals get nervous trying something new for the first time. It is foreign to them, and they don't know how to go about what is in front of them, so they have a few options, fight, flight, or freeze. Regardless of the decision we make, there is anxiety that is present before the decision is made. Anxiety can be triggered by thoughts, emotions, memories, or visualizations. When we have an anxiety-provoking thought, emotion, memory, or visualization, there are three stress hormones that release into our body to fight back. First, there is epinephrine, which is also known as adrenaline. Adrenaline is shot through our spinal cord into our central nervous system, which activates stress hormones to combat the anxiety we're facing, i.e. the fight or flight hormones to move into that to move into the anxiety or escape it. According to Amit Sood, MD, who is also the chair of the Mind Body Initiative at the Mayo Clinic, epinephrine is responsible for the instant increase in your heart rate when you feel anxious and is also responsible for the narrowing of your focus. All of those times that you partook in some risky behaviors and felt your heart pumping, but you were still extremely focused, that was epinephrine taking over your body. There's also another 
There's also another stress hormone called norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is released also through the central nervous system to send blood to the muscles in our body that need to be activated to partake in one of the aforementioned behaviors, fight, flight, or freeze. This is a reason why your face might get red during an argument or your fists clench when you're ready to fight because the blood is rushing to those areas in order for you to combat whatever is facing you. Norepinephrine also increases focus, attention, and heart rate to prepare the body for action, kind of like a backup to epinephrine, according to SUD. A few minutes later, cortisol is released to regulate blood pressure and suppress the immune system to focus energy towards the anxiety the mind and body are dealing with. It also suppresses other functions such as reproductive drive and digestion, just to name a couple. However, the kicker with cortisol is that it's continually released throughout the body anytime we stew or overthink a previous situation because we're still in that stress mode. When that happens, chronic stress and fatigue are often coupled with it because the body is constantly fighting the threats it is perceiving. That is why it is really unhealthy to stew or overthink previous situations that may have not gone in the ideal scenario. It's not just a matter of letting go, which it is, but it's also, there's a lot of physiological benefits to that as well, to allow yourself a lower chance of increasing your blood pressure or increasing your blood sugar, which is also why people who have chronic stress could have a couple of those health impairments, um, as well as several others. And when we look at it in the brain, because we've talked a lot about the body so far, but in the brain, anxiety can take the form of a phobia or a fear that we have, a traumatic memory from our past, a pessimistic viewpoint of our future, excessive worry about the future or the present, which creates a need for either to be ideal, a hyper self-awareness and self-consciousness, which is kind of creating a need for perfection, knowing you're, you're so hyper aware of what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're saying, that you feel the need to be a perfectionist. Obsessive or compulsive behaviors is another form of anxiety, biting your nails or overeating, uh, self-doubt such as negative self-talk, or even just a feeling of losing it, you know, whether you're, you're, you've lost your keys or you lose, you're starting to lose some of your memory and you're just not functioning at as high of a level as you know you can. In the body, it might feel like or look like trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, muscle and neck tension, chronic indigestion, stomach pain and or nausea, increased heart rate, as said before, pulsing in your ear, almost like you're feeling your heartbeat, numbness in your extremities, sweating, weakness, shortness of breath, dizziness, chest pain, a seesawing feeling of hot and cold, almost like you're, you have the chills and then you feel flush back and forth constantly, as well as shooting pains, almost kind of like an electric shock. And the fact that these lists of both mental you know, symptoms that you, you f- experience in your mind and physical symptoms of anxiety are so lengthy that is a big reason 
that people often confuse anxiety with other ailments, such as a heart attack or even a traditional stomach ache. These are all types of responses that the body has to anxiety-provoking stimuli. Now, the lists are quite long, but it is actually normal for a lot of people to have these episodes as a part of the more traditional everyday anxieties, such as job interviews, nervousness before a potentially life-changing event, coming to terms with the vulnerability of life, curiosity about the meaning of life, or realistic fears about new events and situations. However, if they become excessive, irrational, and intrusive on one's ability to go forth with their daily life, there is a chance that they could be dealing with some type of anxiety disorder. And if you're curious about how you can determine whether anxiety is a problem in your life or whether anxiety controls your life, you can actually take a survey called the Overall Anxiety Severity and Impairment Scale. This was developed by the National Institutes of Health to help people create a better understanding of how anxiety may affect them. It asks you questions like, when do you feel anxious? Or how often do you feel anxious? And to what level do you feel anxious? This understanding will give you information about where you fall on that anxiety scale so that you can start finding ways to cope. The good news is that everyone can benefit from some coping mechanisms to help combat whether it's everyday anxiety that they face or an anxiety disorder. A good first step in coping with anxiety is understanding what triggers it. Is it large crowds of people? Is it deadlines or responsibilities at your job? The disarray of your room or office? Questions about what you should be doing with your life? Whatever they may be, it is important to pinpoint what they are so that when these types of thoughts manifest in the mind and then show themselves through your bodily action, you can be aware of them and deal with them in an appropriate way. The next step is to figure out what way or ways you would like to take more control over the effects of your anxiety. Some of the short-term strategies that can be implemented on a short notice include mood tracking, exercise, meditation, deep breathing, touch, and getting more sunlight. Mood tracking can help with understanding your triggers because you'll be able to pinpoint the days that you felt anxious or experienced other negative emotions and connect it with the day's experience. This will help you understand the events that bring out the anxiety within you. This can also help you plan for events that may be anxiety provoking and allow you to be more in tune with the events of each day that bring you anxiety. Being in an anxious state is also a disequilibrium of both the mind and the body, which is why you also need to counteract it with habits such as exercise, meditation, deep breathing, touch, and getting sunlight. All of the aforementioned activities help to counterbalance the negative stress hormones that are released because these activities help release endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin, which are all crucial in helping maintain positive emotion and well-being. Exercise releases endorphins, which block pain receptors and enhance positive emotion, whereas meditation and deep breathing release not just 
oxytocin and endorphins, but also dopamine and serotonin as well. This helps to regulate blood pressure and heart rate when it has risen too high and give you an understanding that thoughts are just a biochemical response, meaning a chemical response in our brain, but they're not always a reality. Some of the longer-term strategies for combating anxiety include creating mantras or phrases to serve as reminders and encouragements to look at when anxiety hits. Some of the longer-term strategies for combating anxiety include creating mantras or phrases to serve as reminders and encouragements to look at when anxiety hits. This will remind you that anxiety can be a temporary state as long as you are taking the right steps to combat it by engaging in the habits previously stated and maintaining a perspective to overcome the anxiety. It is also crucial to take the viewpoint of recognizing that people are not defined by their failures. People often get wrapped up in the idea that failing at one thing means that they'll fail at many other things that they try. This creates a flight or freeze response with a preceding trigger. Another great long-term strategy is to try to learn optimism. And yes, we actually can learn optimism because we can train our minds to think differently over the course of time with thoughtfulness and consistency in practice. There is a model out there called the ABCDE model that was created by psychologist Dr. Martin Seligman. ABCDE stands for adversity which is the challenge or anxiety that we're facing or we have faced in the past. B stands for beliefs, our thoughts or beliefs about the adversity that we've faced or we're facing. C stands for consequences, how we feel, felt, or behave, or did behave. Disputation, which would be arguing against or disputing our beliefs. And E stands for energization outcome or effects of reframing the thoughts that we previously had. And it will definitely take a while to get a hold on practicing this because of the extensive process, but it is a journey that is worth one's while if they're looking to make some positive changes about their anxiety. It is important to also be disputing negativity within oneself by using legitimate evidence, legitimate alternatives, implications for the alternatives and identifying the usefulness of the alternatives. So now going back to the ABCDE model, it's really, really important that we really think about what it is in terms of our challenges and really dissect what it is that we believe about these challenges and what are the consequences, what happens as a result of going through what it is that we've gone through with those beliefs that we've already had. And the most important part here is, is the, is disputation, right? Disputing your previous beliefs, because those are the beliefs that really need to get reprogrammed in a way, because if we're constantly thinking negatively about situations, especially if they're situations that have had negative outcomes previously, In order for us to have more positive outcomes, we need to have a different approach, which is why the beliefs can be thought of as your approach. And after disputing your previous approach, then you can have a different outcome. 
So that's where the E comes into play, that energy. What is what is the type of energy or outcome or effect that you feel after reframing your previous thoughts in a more positive manner? Now, it's interesting because this is something that I definitely know that I want to try myself, but just know that it is going to take quite a long time just because habits aren't necessarily made in 21 days. That's actually a common misconception. I've actually done some research on that, and it actually takes upwards of either a month uh, or 60 days, depending on how strong the habit is and depending on uh, how habitual you are as a person. Now, as we know, anxiety can take many shapes and forms, which is why it can be so confusing to cope with. However, creating an understanding of what anxiety is can help us identify when it's happening and how we can cope with it. It is important to realize it can take the form of both mental and physical symptoms, such as excessive worry about the future or present, obsessive thoughts or behavior, chest pain, shortness of breath, and increased heart rate, just to name several. Once we've identified how we are being affected by anxiety, we can think of how it is that we want to cope with it. It is best to start small with manageable tasks like getting more exercise, doing some deep breathing, getting out in the sun, and tracking our moods. From there, we can try to build larger mental frameworks by implementing some more positive psychology in our daily lives by creating mantras or positive notes of encouragement that we can refer to when times start to get challenging. We can also try to adopt Dr. Seligman's ABCDE model to reframe how we think about our anxiety-provoking events. The most important part is to take all of this one day at a time because anxiety is not going to go away, but we can manage it.